Welcome to the Rodolfo Rivas Project. Last weekend I attended the Zurich Film Festival. One of the films I watched was Mano de Obra, the opera prima by Mexican filmmaker David Sonana. This is an accomplished film, bursting with ideas. In our brief conversation with David, he tells us about his path to filmmaking, some of his influences, and we discuss his, his film. We do try to stay away from spoilers, but we did go into some details, so proceed at your own risk. Hope you enjoy the episode and the film. Listen in. Hello, I'm here with David. David, uh, I'm really glad that you accepted my invitation. You had a, you presented your movie yesterday in a great screening, and uh, I thought that the session afterwards went also pretty well. But before, uh, so thank you. No, thank you, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Before we dig into the movie, uh, I'm just curious. I mean, they they said at the screening that you always wanted to film uh, filmmaker. Is that right? No, I, I never wanted to be a filmmaker. Never wanted to be a filmmaker. <laughs> no, it's too difficult. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I did a major in finance. Uh, didn't, didn't finish. I, I dropped out around one year before finishing because I couldn't uh, do it anymore. I really didn't like it, but it was like family tradition. And uh, um, there was really nothing artistic in my family. I mean, it's a good family and my parents are great and everything, but uh, uh, I just never thought of um, of doing something creative. And uh, with time, when I was starting finance, I realized it was of no interest to me to continue in, in that career. I, I knew I didn't want to do anything related to that, no, work in a bank or whatever. I, I'd rather do something else or so I, I decided to drop out and uh, afterwards um, I met a, a film director called Michel Franco who has a production company in Mexico and um, we became friends and he invited me to work on his production company uh, and that's where, where I learned uh, the language of cinema and, uh, uh, and I was attracted to it as a medium of expression um, I forgot to say that while I was studying finance, I, I was always interested in art. Uh, it, it wasn't an important part in, in my family life, but I, I was always interested in music and in writing. I just never thought it could be I could make a career out of art. So uh, when I dropped out of college and met Michelle, I uh, took it as a possibility to do something uh, creative and different. So up to that point, you really had no interest in becoming a filmmaker, but you watched no. movies, you didn't think of the, the role of a director? No, no not really. I mean, I, I met him when I was 22 and uh, started working with him at yeah, 23 or something like that when I was 23. Until that moment, I think I have seen, you know, 10 good, good films in my life, you know, that I now consider good films. I, I was never really interested in cinema. Uh, I think I was, uh, I am a bit uh, uh, an anxious person, so it was difficult for me to sit down for two hours to see some, to see a film, you know. 
but then I started to learn and uh, um, I started to, to understand uh, the language and to train myself to, to, to be able to see films and then I acquired some good uh, I started enjoying films you know I started to watch all these good directors that Michel introduced me because he told me man I mean I like you and you work well I mean you, you can work but uh, if you're going to work in a production company you have to know something about cinema so you have to watch these films you know yeah. watch one fi film of Bergman one of uh, Pasolini one of Kurosawa so he gave me like one film of most of the important directors Buñuel, Kubrick and then I, when I watched those films I was like okay I like this you know it's, uh, I've never I didn't even knew they existed you know like these kind of directors so uh, I I uh, so, so this I, was like your crash course education on, on filmmaking yeah 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 uh, first step was learning um Do you want to order? No. Uh, was, uh, it was the, 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 my first approach to cinema was watching films and then working on the production company. Uh, I uh, learned all the, also how a film is made, you know, like the technical, the technical stuff. So yeah, working there was like a, a course and a, like a college degree on filmmaking. Uh, and it was very interesting to learn all that, yeah. I'm really surprised because your film is pretty accomplished. Uh, from what you're telling me, I wouldn't, I would have never guessed it. Mm. But I'll tell you what I, I thought it was interesting about reading about you and your film. Uh, I'm a lawyer and I wanted to be a filmmaker. I never became a... Uh, actually, I did direct a short film. But when I read your story, like someone who's in finance made the jump to filmmaking. Another director, Mexican director, that did this is Carlos Regadas, yeah. who's a lawyer. And then, so this was like a bit of hope for yeah. professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, so what? What kind of advice you would tell? Because when I was growing up, being a filmmaker was not was not. Uh, I think I'm a bit like 10 years older than you. Mm. It was not like something that seemed attainable. But I yeah. think that has changed in the past years because of the success of the Mexican directors yeah. abroad? I don't know. The, the, what I would say to people in the same situation, because you say you were in finance and then you jumped... In law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, not me. When you okay. talk about me and you say you were in finance and then jumped to cinema, I would say, no, I was never in finance. I was never in anything, you know. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not in cinema now, you know, I'm, I'm a person and I can do whatever I want tomorrow. If I want to write a book, I will do it. And I will not consider, no, you're already in cinema, you, you cannot change to write a book. For me, it's not you're in one thing and you change to another. It's just uh, you do whatever you want. And uh, so uh, my, my, my uh, advice for people that are struggling to find, to, 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 to do what they like would be... Um, you're free you know you, you don't you don't have to do the same thing you did uh yesterday today i mean we can wake up and do another thing and uh yeah there's always a but how am i gonna earn money and whatever and the same uh, preoccupations everyone has but life tends to be easier than we imagine in our heads so we tend to complicate everything and uh um you know you only live once it's a cliche but it's true so why not 
do whatever you want and uh, you don't need much to live you know you, you just need a couple of tortillas and frijoles and you'll <laughs> you'll get through the day so um, you, if, if things go really bad and you try to do what you like and you fail you can still borrow some tortillas from your from, from a friend and eat and sleep in a couch somewhere so you really uh, people really shouldn't that afraid of failing because there's not many uh, necessities for, for for survival so there's really not much to lose and this, this is what you're saying I think it's also reflected in your in your film like this kind of uh, helping and just you can live with the basic and you don't need more than that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's the way I see the world you know and uh, exactly the film the film talks in a way about uh, people thinking Uh, they need luxuries and they need more and that's uh, something I criticize the working class a lot because they they are in a way it's uh, modern slavery you know they work their ass off to get more things and they, they, there is this materialistic view of the world that the media imposes and the entertainment imposes and uh, people fall for it and, and think they, they need more than they really do Although there are certain situations of extreme poverty where really you don't even have the basic necessities uh, like food, or, I mean, if you have a family and they are hungry, uh, that's one thing. I mean, and you, you will have to manage and work to, to, get, uh, to get them food, you know, but, uh, but uh, sometimes I, I would, if I, could, if I could guess, I would say 80% of uh, the work's time Uh, is aimed to buy things you don't need. So uh, if people realize that, they would uh, e either work less or uh, work the same amount of time but use that money for things they, they do really need and uh, then be able to save without uh, falling in materialistic ambitions, you know. Uh, well, now talking about the movie, uh, when I first saw the title, I... I what what I thought about was Marx. Was that uh, something that you consciously was that a reference that you wanted to? Well, the film, in a way, I I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but uh, but let's do it. The first half of the film, the first half of the, of the film would be maybe a representation of of uh, ideals of of communism. You know, the injustice of capitalism and. Uh, uh, The, the the problems it brings, you know, this unregulated capitalism and ambitious capitalism and voracious capitalism, and we, we all know the consequences of that. And maybe the second part of the film talks about the the the, the, the voraciousness of communism and the the fake the, the the how it can be really fake in terms of ambition as well, you know, and. Uh, So I wanted to, to, to talk a little bit about uh, both uh, main economical possibilities and um, states that for me neither works because it is not an economical problem. Um, I think the, 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 the modern day problems comes more from morality and from personal morality more than from an economical system imposed to us by politicians or whatever, you know, and... Uh, So the film, in a way, is, is uh, understanding for me that uh, the, the, the solution to the problems we have as a society will come 
from morality and not from an economical system. Yeah. When you were, because you're also the writer, when you were writing the film, what came first, the first half or the second half? No, both. It was, uh, it was not. It was an idea. Uh, so when you were writing, you were writing sequentially, and I knew. that led you to. No, no. You already knew the end. I knew. I knew the ending. Yeah, yeah. No, I knew what I wanted to to to, to talk about. You know, I, and this whole idea was in my mind before starting to write. You know. Uh, ambition, uh, kind of a revolution that gets successful, but then loses its track after it got su after it got uh, its success. You know, a revolution uh, triumphs and then falls down because of uh, corruption and uh, uh, power ambition and the, 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 the things we have seen in the history of the world many times. Yeah. So you just wanted to reflect that in this. Little microcosm yeah. of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was struck by the the introduction of the film. I thought it was really well set up and really economical to tell to set us in the place where the characters and move from that setup to the more important part of the of the film. How did yeah. you how did you think of that uh, shot? Well, I I, I wanted. Uh, the the audience, the the people that see the film, to be involved in the film from the first shot. I I really don't like films that take 20 minutes to like an introduction of 20 minutes and you start to um, to look at the characters and see who they are and then the story starts. You know, it's like the, those were 20 worst minutes of my life. So uh, I I I like. To see films that get me involved right after, right away, and then you discover the characters, but you're already in the story. You know, you discover them through uh, the the problematic that you're already in. You know, so I just I wanted to do that, not wasting time on introductions. Yeah, and I yeah. think you you achieved that uh, quite well. Um, you when I, I I sensed a bit of what's your influence a bit Italian realism? Yeah, of course. Yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've, I'm, I'm a, um, of course, interested in, in, in you know, all these uh, Rossellini and, uh, yeah, these films that use, not, like, social situations to, to, to depict a moment in time, you know, and do it the, the most realistic way and uh, using also non-actors and it's a, it's a style that that was uh, interesting for me uh, but not the only style you know it, uh, it's an important part of, of cinema and uh, but uh, and it's a part of cinema that influenced Mano de Obra workforce but uh, I mean I could also mention Buñuel for example no? yeah. yeah so uh, yeah there's many influences to what, what other influences mm. Cinematograph. I mean, in terms of cinema, Buñuel would uh, it would be a, a big influence uh, in my career in general. You know, in my cinematic approach, um, but also, as you say, uh, Rossellini. I mean, for this film, but I, I I could mention. I don't know. I love Kubrick and Bergman and uh, um, Bresson. I, I did see and, some yeah. like Kubrickian shots in the in the film with the white uh, yeah. house and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I suppose it's normal to 
to project even if I never thought about I thought well, I mean, about, uh, yeah. Okay. yeah I thought about Buñuel when making this film I okay. mean it's uh, but uh, of course I I because it is it is this kind of film maybe the next film you'll see it and you'll say oh this looks more like Kubrick or whatever you know but, uh, it's the directors I admire and from the ones I have learned uh, so much no including also Michel Franco of course who, who has a uh, um, uh, no, not not the. It, it has uh, it has its similarities with the cinema because it's also a cinema I enjoy a lot. So, yeah. Um, well, you said that the actors were non-professional, and I think that this added a lot, a lot of the realism in the way that they talk. You said that you you didn't you gave them some general guidelines and then yeah. they would go on and do it. Yeah. This was with the non-actors, but the main character. Yeah. He. I also felt that his dialogue was like so real. Was that written by you like that, or it was also the same process? No, it was. Uh, I mean, it was all written, and yeah, as you say, I allowed the not uh, the non-actors that were that are real construction workers to 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 say it their way, you know. And sometimes they they, they did it the the way I was. I, I wrote it because I I also did research when writing with real construction workers with uh, not them but before, you know. I got involved. In, in many constructions, so the, the dialogues uh, were well written, but then I wanted them to feel free not to having to memorize dialogue because they're not actors, so yeah, yeah, so I allowed them to do it their way, and uh, uh, and with the main actor, uh, he had the script, so he knew, but uh, I think he also did it his way in a way, you know. Uh, because you have to blend with the other guys so um, if he told it the way it was written and they answered in their, in their way or vice versa it wouldn't work so it was just more improvisation but with, with the ideas of the scene and the objectives of the scene clear you know we, we, need, we knew what we needed in each scene and then we I allowed everyone to, to do it their own way uh, with the tempo that I needed and with the rhythm that I needed you know but on their own Yeah. Um, you also mentioned that you shot this uh, pro uh, progressively. Uh, this also helped to to deal with the non-actors. But was there any other reason to do it this way? No, for me as well. I mean, it's and um, I shot it, yeah, um, in continuity because for the non-actors it would be easier, of course, to follow the story because they didn't know the script. And to be involved with the story, you know, to, to be um, also witnessing the story as it unfolded, uh, as it unfolds. And uh, for but for me, it's also more comfortable, and uh, you know, it's it's easier for a director, at least for me, to have two sequences to shot a sequence and then shot the next sequence in terms of tone and you know and rhythm and instead of shooting scene number two and then number 95 it's difficult to then know in which tone the story will be at that moment and um, it's possible but I don't like it you know I, I'd rather uh, go with the flow of the tone of the film as it unfolds it's uh, just a preference personal preference yeah I'm talking about the tone I mean uh, like you said there's basically two halves of the film 
which I, I do consider they have a different tone. I think that the first half is a bit more realistic, more... Actually, from the first half, I thought that the film was going to go uh, in another direction. Yeah. And then... I mean, I, I think it works together, but there is a bit of two different tones. Is that Do you see it that way, or...? Um, yeah, I mean, the story unfolds in a way that maybe not many people expect and that is uh, uh, that makes it look like it's a a different tone but I, I don't know if I would call it a different tone I mean for sure it is a different uh, world you know uh, where things work differently and where dynamics and relationship relations between the characters are different but the people essentially are the same, you know, from the first half and uh, the way of... Uh, I didn't give them any different instruction on how to behave or how to... It, it's just the situations of the second part of the film that that uh, have a, an impact on the overall perception on people but uh, and, 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 and an impact on the, the, the dynamics of their relationships. But... Uh, but I always conceived it as the same people in both both uh, parts of the film. Uh, it's just their situation that changes, you know, their economical situation in a way, or their they, their uh, idea of of wealth and uh, well-being that changes. So they the situation changes in a bit. But I don't know if I would call it a tone. Would anything? No. Um, I. I... I thought a bit of watching your movie uh, about this filmmaker, this Greek filmmaker, Georgos. Lantimos, yeah. Was that uh, in your mind or, or not at all? Um, no, no, not really. I didn't think much about Georgos Lantimos. You mean like Doctors? Maybe the, the, yes. Maybe the second part. Like this kind of society and you put like some rules and then... Yeah. Uh, well, Dog Tooth actually is very similar to another Mexican film by Arturo Ripstein called um, El Castillo de la Pureza. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all these, these films that happen in the same location. Uh, I never thought of Dog Tooth. Uh, I saw El Castillo de la Pureza because uh, I wanted... I, Which but, was way before Dog Tooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I also saw, you know, the apartment trilogy of, uh, for example, of Polanski, you know, and uh, just to understand how it was possible to create a story in one location. Uh, and uh, Rosemary's Baby, no, it, it was Repulsion, I think, that happens all in one place, and then you have all this, yeah, and uh, um, Cool de Sac as well, and then you have uh, all Buñuel, you know, the El Angel Exterminador, uh, uh, extermination angel and uh, um, well Biridiana in a way the second part happens in a house so yeah I mean uh, I saw a lot of films that uh, just to understand uh, how to shoot a film in, a, in, a, in, in one location yeah. talking about the Mexican film industry I remember when I was growing up in the 90s they were calling it the new Mexican cinema mm -hmm. I actually think that right now it's uh, the new, new Mexican cinema. I think there's a lot uh, going on in terms of just numbers of films and a lot of yeah. filmmakers doing interesting things. 
how do you see yourself fitting in this ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, this is my first film, so I really don't consider myself part of a movement or whatever. It's, uh, I just made one film, you know, and uh, if when I have four or five films, people start uh, putting me in a, in a generation of Mexican filmmakers, I will understand it, but now uh, it's too soon. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of great Mexican filmmakers right now, uh, and yes, I would say there is a, it is an important time for Mexican cinema, also related to the government approach to funding, which has been uh, really good for the last 15 years. So uh, much more films are being produced now than in the 90s, I mean, like a hundred times more, you know, uh, because of these funds, so that creates the possibility of more voices to being able to create uh, uh, cinema, and I am one of those voices. Um, and I think also the the audience embraces them, embraces these new movies way more than they did in the past. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, no? If you see the 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 sales in in uh, theatrical release of an Amate Escalante film. Uh, I don't know if you think that it, 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 uh, people are really, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, I don't think people in Mexico are used to this kind of cinema, but hopefully they will someday, yeah. Um, okay, so talking about what's next, you said that you don't consider yourself, you did a film, but you could easily write a book, you could do whatever you want, but do you yeah. want to continue... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I'm not. I could. I, I'm not afraid to do, to to stop making films if I'm not able, you know. But uh, but of course, I enjoyed making the first one, and I think I I'm uh, good at it in a way, you know, without being pretentious or anything. But the, it turned out that I'm capable of doing uh, a good film at least once. So I want to try if I'm able to do it a second time as well. Um, so I will try it. Of course, I will try to make a second film and. If it's good too, I will try to make a third one, and uh, if not, I will see uh, what next. You know, yeah. Do you have any ideas? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I have a, a script already written about the 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 process of a 18-year-old Mexican kid in the military college in Mexico. So he's processing to becoming a officer, uh, and office, uh, an officer for the army, for the Mexican army and what he goes through uh, in a way psychologically and uh, uh, to, to become uh, a, a, an officer, a soldier, yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for no, your time. Thank I you. I really enjoyed your film and I hope uh, it gets the attention that it deserves. Thank you. And uh, I hope to see your next film. <laughs> I hope, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. No, thank you.